Thank you very much for the opportunity and the introduction. I'd like to read uh, two verses from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, where we read, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And seeking God's blessing, I'd like to meditate upon these verses for a few moments before you turn to prayer. The word careful literally means, or it means anxious, which reminds us that the Christian can be a person who worries and is concerned about many things. Paul had every reason to be anxious. He was the one under God who first brought the gospel to Europe when he founded the church in Philippi. He did not spend much time there and left following the earthquake, which led to him and Silas being released from prison in Acts chapter 16. The founding church members were a businesswoman called Lydia, the Philippian jailer, and a former demon-possessed slave girl. <clears throat> Still, the church flourished. When he wrote the letter, there was a division between, the, between two women in the congregation that could develop into something more serious, if not rectified soon. He wrote this epistle from prison in Rome, where he might face the death penalty, and he knew of people preaching Christ with wrong motives in Rome. Plus, he had the burden of looking after or being concerned about all the churches that he had formed. So he had plenty reasons to be worried. Yet, he was not worried or anxious at all. And he did not want the Philippian Christians to be anxious either. Careful, the word careful or anxious, it literally means to be pulled in different directions, to be pulled in different directions. And the old English root from which we get our word worry means literally to strangle. If we put all these meanings together, to really worry about something does strangle a person. It does handicap the person. Worry has a definite uh, physical effects upon us. It can cause headaches or neck pains or ulcers, even back pains. Furthermore, worry affects our thinking, digestion, and even our coordination. According to Warren Wearsby, <clears throat> from the spiritual point of view, worry is wrong thinking, the mind, and wrong feeling, the heart, about circumstances, people, and things. Worry is the greatest thief of joy. It is not enough for us, however, to tell ourselves to quit worrying, because that will never capture the thief. Worry is an inside job. And it takes more than good intentions to get the victory. The antidote to worry is the secure mind. That's why he says, following the two verses I read, 
Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. When we become Christians, some people would like to tell us, and certainly the world does, that somehow we've left our minds behind. That is not the case at all. The mind is vitally important in our Christian experience, and we must feed our mind upon good things. That's what Paul tells them. Paul calls the Philippians to prayer by using three words to describe real prayer in our text. Three elements that should be found in all prayer. What are they? The first word he uses is simply the word prayer. And that's a general word for making requests to God. And it carries behind it the idea of adoration or devotion or worship or a sense of awe. We never forget that when we call upon the Lord through the Lord Jesus Christ, our mediator, we are praying to Almighty God. We're praying to the God of heaven, who's in heaven, who is from everlasting to everlasting, who has no beginning nor can have any end, who alone is immortal and unchangeable and self-sufficient. Yes, we realize by grace he is our Father in heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's true, and that's a wonderful comfort to us. But he is also Almighty God. And therefore, all our prayers should have this sense of adoration, of devotion, and of worship before our triune God. The second word he uses is supplication, which is an earnest sharing of our needs, problems, and requests. And this would encourage us that when we come to pray, that there should be nothing half-hearted or insincere. The things that we ask for, they should be things that are uppermost in our mind, things that are, are according to his, his will and his word. And we should show that we really want them, that we need them, and that we are prepared to humble ourselves and to seek God's face that we might have them. You will be well familiar with that verse in James chapter 5, verse 16, talking about the prophet Elijah. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was that kind of individual. He was determined to pray and to continue praying until he got. He was one who knew what it was to supplicate and to present earnestly his prayers and requests. We come before God then with ones who are in some sense determined and are not in any sense half-hearted. The third element he says here, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. When we give a gift to someone or when we do something for someone, 
We don't look for thanks, but we expect it. It's only natural that someone should thank us for something we've done. God looks for thanksgiving, and we have much to be thankful for. He has answered many of our former prayers. But very often we fail to return thanks. We fail to acknowledge the goodness and the graciousness of our God. We are reminded about that incident in in Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, when 10 lepers were cleansed. What a glorious miracle the Lord Jesus performed on these 10 lepers. All of them were cleansed, but only one turned back to give thanks. All of our prayers must have these elements, this element of adoration, supplication, and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. What is prayer? What is it? How can we define it? Our shorter catechism says, prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will. In the name of Christ, with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. And friends, every time we come before God, we should be thankful for his mercies. Even if life is difficult, even if life is hard, we should be thankful for his mercies because things could be far, far worse. You see, the very essence of prayer is recognizing your need and your dependence upon the Lord for his help. And our text in Philippians fits very well with an Old Testament text we find in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 26 and verses 3 and 4. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. There we have the mind again, whose mind is stayed upon thee. There's the secret to praying and to seeking God, to have our minds filled with him and with holy things. Paul here is exercising the Philippians. What is he saying to them? Well, basically what he is saying to them and what the word says to us is, worry about nothing, pray about everything. Nothing too great or small to bring before the Lord. We're inclined to bring only the things that seem great in our sight before the Lord. But Paul says here, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known unto God. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. May the Lord bless his word to us this afternoon.